I think it's easy for a lot of people too. And, and sometimes me, I'm really trying to not have my identity be what I do. It's who I am and who I'm becoming and then allow what I do to kind of be something that, that I love to do and gives back and helps kind of send that ripple of, of good health and healing around me. Welcome to the Soulful Sessions podcast with your host, Desiree Michelle. I am a holistic wellness practitioner, lifestyle, business, and empowerment coach, soulful entrepreneur, yoga teacher, and forever student of life. Each week on this podcast, I will be bringing you a guest or a message to support you in feeling empowered, embodied, and inspired to connect more deeply to your own version of soulful living. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's dive in. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Soulful Sessions podcast. So today we have a beautiful guest. Her name is Sarah McGill. So Sarah is a personal trainer, Reiki practitioner, and she specializes in supporting people in recovering holistically from low back pain. Sarah has a unique and clear calling to this work, but it hasn't always been so clear to her what she felt her purpose was and her path was. So today we're really going to be talking about overcoming imposter syndrome, building self-belief, and finding your calling in an intuitive way. So welcome here, Sarah. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Desiree. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited about this conversation today. So for those of the listeners who don't know you or they're not familiar with your work, would you mind just telling us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Well, similar to you, I'm a Canadian girl from Waterloo, Ontario, so we have that in common right off the bat. I now live a few hours north of Toronto. And I love being surrounded by nature here. We have a ton of lakes, beautiful forests. So when I'm not out exploring, I am a personal trainer. I specialize in working with people with low back pain. And I'm certified in the McGill method. So that's um, that's founded and based on Professor Stuart McGill's research, both in the lab and the clinic. And it really follows kind of an evidence-based comprehensive approach to finding the root cause of somebody's back pain and then coaching them from there. So that's sort of the, the basis of what I do. And then on top of that, being a very spiritual woman myself, I really value holistic approaches to healing and wellness and fitness. So I pursued my breath coach training. So I'm a certified breath coach to be able to offer that and as you know and probably many of your listeners how beneficial the breath is to the function of all systems in our body so being able to offer that either on its own for people that I work with or as a combination to help people healing from back injury and kind of allowing um, the recovery and signaling their body into that parasympathetic nervous system allowing them to relax more and kind of reduce some of that stress and tension too And then I'm also a a certified Reiki practitioner. So that's not so much a a main offering, but it is something that I do. And I benefit a lot from it just for myself, Reiki practice. And I, I know and I fully feel how valuable 
energy is and working with our own energy, protecting our energy and keeping our energy uh, flowing, um, flowing appropriately in or out, you know, kind of setting those boundaries. And then also when it comes to injury, kind of shifting the energy where it needs to be. So um, that's sort of how I've built up this offering that I call spine and spirit restoration. So not only working with the physical parts of injury and back fitness and recovery, but also I love to help people kind of enhance their mental, emotional and spiritual well-being as well. That's so beautiful. I love how holistic your practice is. And for anyone listening, Sarah actually has a beautiful little blog post that is on my website. So I will link that in the show notes. So she's also part of the Soulful Sisterhood Collective, which is a team of holistic wellness practitioners. And we all have sort of various offerings that support people from a holistic perspective. So You really have such a beautiful combination of gifts and skills that you provide, Sarah, and I would love for you to share with us a little bit more about what's the thing that you love the most about what you do. I love many things, but a couple things sort of come to mind of what I love the most. I love with the knowledge and skills that I've that I've gained and I've been trained in, I'm able to empower people. And I I have the opportunity to empower people to know what's causing their pain, know what's causing their discomfort or their blockages in their kind of fitness journey too. And then being able to show them the path forward to improve and enhance how they feel kind of on all levels. So I love that I have that opportunity to directly work with people and empower them. So not just relying on me. I'm not just someone that they need to to talk to every day or, or every week. I'm, I'm really able to give them the tools. That's really fulfilling for me. I also, I really love with what I do as I guess any entrepreneur and um, independent practitioner, I love the work-life balance that it gives me. So I'm really able to enjoy life. And I feel like the time when I'm not working is really filling my cup and nourishing my soul. And I'm able to kind of pursue my own passions outside of work as well, which then makes me, I'm so present when I am at work. And I feel like that'll help kind of the longevity and the passion continue with what I'm doing with my work. So I love that I have that opportunity too, to kind of balance my, my passions outside of work, and then also my continual study and, and mastery of the craft that I have with work too. Mm, I love that so much. And I really deeply resonate. I feel like it's the exact same for me. It's so important to be able to provide clients with that sense of self-empowerment, where they're not just kind of becoming codependent on you and relying on what it is that we provide, but they're actually able to feel like they are self-empowered to really take on their learnings and be able to implement that. Um, So that's so beautiful. And I also really love that whole aspect of entrepreneurship, how you really can kind of spend the time to truly embody what it is that you are teaching or providing. And I think that's so important just for that sense of really staying rooted in integrity. So that's amazing. And it's such a beautiful thing that as entrepreneurs, we have kind of that time freedom. So 
Can you give your, or the listeners today, um, some insight into what your life looked like before finding this work and kind of share with them what your story was about how you got into doing it? Yeah, so in university, I did my Bachelor of Commerce in Hospitality and Tourism. So like most people, I feel like we do degrees in something and then end up pivoting and kind of find our passion elsewhere. Um, So graduating university, I kind of realized I didn't really want to be in the hospitality industry, but I just began, I, I was working at a golf course right after that as a supervisor. And then I started giving my dad little, um, sorry. So my dad's professor, Stuart McGill, he's the one that the McGill method, the, the back pain approaches that I use, he, um, he has a company called BackFit Pro. And after graduating university, I started calling him and giving him little ideas that I had of how to make his business more efficient or what I sort of learned in school or just I naturally always have these ideas going in my head of business ideas or how to make things more efficient or how to make things look better and um, that just kind of turned into me becoming the president of his company so (laughs) he really valued what I was suggesting and how to kind of help him with the business side of it because he's so focused on the science and the clinic and the, um, his patients. So that offered me kind of a, a great opportunity to become a digital nomad for a couple of years. And um, I didn't fully know what I wanted to do for the next 20 or 30 or 60 years. I just knew that I was enjoying that opportunity and I knew it, was, it wasn't going to be around forever. So I worked from my computer and traveled the world. I organized some conferences for BackFit Pro um all around kind of back health spine mechanics and I would be on the admin side organizing these conferences but sort of interested in the material but I didn't really dive deeply into it and people always asked me oh are you going to follow in your dad's footsteps and become a a back pain expert and I always I always kind of said oh no probably not but I do find it interesting and I'll get to that in a minute how that kind of tickled the dragon's tail of what was to come. But um, I found lots of passions along the way. I discovered sailing and I worked in the yachting industry. I worked for a flotilla company in Croatia for a couple of weeks. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll be in yachting. Like maybe that's my career. I love it. Um, And then I sort of realized, oh, maybe, you know, I really want to appreciate it, enjoy it. Maybe it's not like a year round thing. Um, Maybe it's more something that I can enjoy part of the year but not the full year and then I found Reiki and I, I studied Reiki in Costa Rica and New York and I thought oh I'll be a full-time intuitive healer kind of as my intuitive gifts were coming to the surface and I really enjoyed that and then I thought oh okay maybe I'll be a traveling healer where I can sail around the world and and heal people energetically along the way and <laughs> so it was sort of I had this overall tree trunk of sort of my vision of wanting to have that flexibility of time, wanting to um, kind of guide people to a better life around me. And then I also wanted to be able to have kind of location freedom. But it wasn't until I came to Australia just over a year, actually, when I had this sort of experience that really tied everything together and kind of sent me on this direct path that I'm on right now. Um, I, whenever I travel, I love to look up conscious events that are in the area. So cacao ceremonies or um, breathwork 
ceremonies or things like that. It's, it's an amazing way to make good connections in the local area and also kind of develop your soul and spirit in the different areas. And I signed up for this two-day breathwork workshop with the Awakening in Sydney. Um, and there was, I think the workshop was maybe four hours each day. In the first three hours, they would kind of teach you more about the physiology of breath and give you a daily practice. And then the last hour each day was this holotropic breathwork journey. And they would guide you through. And there was a bunch of us packed in the room with blankets. And <laughs> we'd go through this journey. Everyone's kind of making weird sounds. Some people are, their hands are cramping up with, I think it's called tetanus, where you're holding on to um, the energy. And I'd done this once before, but I was excited kind of to see what would come to the surface. And on the Saturday, um, I had sort of a, a dark experience. I went to some place in my subconscious mind where there was a lot of people that had crossed over and I didn't really understand it. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I should go back for Sunday. <laughs> but they said, if you didn't have the best experience, sometimes everything kind of is pulled together. That was just cleansing out more of the negative stuff. And then on Sunday, it'll tie everything together. So I trusted that and I came back on Sunday and that was the most uh, life-changing hour of my life so far. I felt like I was in direct communication, direct channeling, direct, <laughs> like there were no, there were no um, kind of questioning or I was in direct communication with my higher self or my divine guides or, you know, the great spirit, whatever I was able to communicate with basically in just like a split second kind of downloaded that my purpose, at least for now, my focus right now will be spine and spirit restoration. And I had never heard of that before that just came into mind. And basically I just got the information that in this lifetime I was gifted my dad, who's a world renowned spine expert as a father figure and we have such a, a good relationship kind of as a, a catalyst and a way for me to access people and not only help their back but also stream in my kind of uh, natural energy healing abilities with that as well and kind of incorporate the spine um, healing and kind of the more physical mechanical evidence-based stuff from his science and then add in kind of my spiritual gifts as well because I never before saw a possibility. I thought it was either the hardcore science that my dad teaches or it's me kind of my intuitive healing and energy. I couldn't see how they fused together and this hour completely just fused it together and said, just cause it, just cause I haven't seen it before. doesn't mean that I, it's not possible and it's not needed and it's not useful and it's not what people crave and need and will make a difference. So I have this notebook and my hands were so shaky after that hour because I guess I was just on a whole nother plane. I couldn't even write like it's just scribbles, but it says like spine and spirit restoration. And just basically too, it just was saying that this was what this is what I meant to do. However, I've had this limiting belief. I've had this wall up that I wouldn't uh, be smart enough or um, be able to kind of follow in any sort of my dad's footsteps with his very scientific kind of 
detailed mastery of understanding spine mechanics. I mean, that's a pretty intimidating subject to grow up around. But I just realized they just said, we're removing those beliefs and you just have to go for it. And it's, it was amazing because I didn't even realize that it was just a mindset blocking me from that. And when people in the past had asked me, oh, are you going to follow in your dad's footsteps? I didn't even, it didn't click to me that it was just my mind saying that I couldn't instead of, oh, I want to, but I don't think that's for me. <laughs> instead of just allowing myself to say, oh, actually, I'll give it a shot. So that hour was really interesting. And I left feeling so excited and pumped. And I, for the first time after kind of traipsing around the globe for a few years and kind of chasing these little passions along the way, I just felt like the tree just tunneled like straight up and just showed me, okay, this is what to pursue. And since then I've just been studying um, to be a McGill method practitioner. I just achieved that certification with the exams and everything um, at the beginning of this year. And then kind of adding in now, just kind of massaging in and figuring out how to best offer all the holistic kind of training that I have and will continue to pursue too, because I find it so interesting. And, and it's kind of a, a new way to help people as well. I haven't really seen it fused together in this way. It's either that kind of mechanical, not just mechanical, but um, very scientific evidence-based approach. And then also trusting the energy and how that interplays to it and trusting the intuitive um, parts to healing as well. Mm, I love that so much. Your story is amazing. And it always blows my mind, like for the listeners who wouldn't know this, Sarah and I grew up in the same town. And then um, we kind of went our own ways in, in adulthood and we reconnected. And it was so funny because we had found out that we were both interested in, you know, science and spirituality. And both of us had spent time in Australia. And I didn't know all the intricacies of your story, Sarah, until now, but it's just so funny listening. I feel like we just have so much in common with the way that things kind of unfolded. And it always blows my mind how the universe kind of brings these energies together in such an organic way. Um, I can relate so much to what you said about just kind of, you know, coming out of university and not having that clarity on what you wanted to do and then kind of spending lots of time just kind of dabbling in different things and um, also just the experiences with breath work and I've done a bit of plant medicine as well and just how incredible it is when you have those experiences and you do truly just feel so tapped into source. For anyone who is listening and maybe hasn't experienced this, I think it's so common that you go to these these things and if you have an open mind, you can just have the most incredible downloads and just really feel that direct connection to what the messages that are trying to be sent to you, what those messages are, which is just so incredible. And I also love what you said about how you had all this um, self-doubt and you had these limiting beliefs, but you didn't even know they were there. And that's what I find to be so interesting with a lot of my clients when we get into some of the subconscious reprogramming and NLP. 
we really discover like so much of the time people do have these limiting beliefs that are really ruling their lives, but it's happening on this subconscious level. And it's just incredible what can happen when you kind of bring these to light and then you can really develop that clarity. So that's so cool. I love your combination of the science and spirituality and um yeah, it's amazing. I've actually never seen that combination with the spine specifically as well. And it's really funny too. Yesterday, actually, I just recorded a podcast episode around kind of my journey with um, my business. And it's so interesting what you're saying around how you always kind of thought it had to just be this very clinical evidence-based side of things in order to find success with that. Because I very much had that similar belief system where I sort of thought if I want to help people on a deep level emotionally, then I need to be a psychotherapist. I never thought of any other options. And it's just kind of funny, our conditioning, how sometimes we we subconsciously have these beliefs that maybe we've learned through society around what it requires to be or do or have something. And when we start to really open up our minds to receiving maybe messages from source or having conversations and just really expanding what's available to us, we can see that there's actually so many other options and ways to kind of fuse things together, which is really exciting. Um, So I'm really curious. Congratulations on your certification, first of all. That's awesome. I'm really curious kind of what that looks like. Is Is it more of like that kind of university pathway or is it a um kind of certification that your dad's put together or how does that work and kind of what does that um detail and then also I know in the blog post that you wrote for the soulful sisterhood collective you mentioned some of these things around having this self-doubt and these limiting beliefs and I would love to hear more from you as well around sort of what the biggest hurdle was for you specifically in being able to overcome these limiting beliefs and how you did it. So for the McGill Method certification to start there, um, we have, so being the president of Backfit Pro, it was funny to be on the opposite side of it too, because I then went through the process to become one of our certified practitioners. I think we have about 30 McGill Method certified practitioners around the world and about 14 or 15 master clinicians. So as a certified practitioner, I took three um, online courses. Normally they're in person, but with COVID, uh, we transition them to online. And that's over 60 hours of university level content of understanding how the spine works, how it becomes injured, different, um, how that kind of presents and symptoms of how someone's feeling, how to assess them, how to use pattern recognition to kind of put together the mechanics of what's causing their pain, how then does personality come into that? How does the psychosocial factors? And then also developing an appropriate rehab plan for them too with corrective exercise and addressing the deficits. So it was taking the courses um, and then there's a written and a practical exam to pass from there um, to that sort of at the level of a movement coach. So I, I became a certified uh, certified personal trainer in order to become McGill Method certified practitioner. So I could have been a massage therapist or just some other health professional certification before becoming uh, studying the McGill Method. For those that 
become the master clinician. Those are the physiotherapists, the chiropractors, the family docs. Um, they have that clinical degree where they're doing more kind of really diagnosing or uh, seeing the really tricky cases. I'm more approaching it at the like movement coaching level and figuring out how, where we need to build more appropriate stability in someone or mobility in some cases and um, working on kind of overall fitness and, and implementing the rehab plan with them. So that's a little bit on what the McGill Method certification is. And then from there, I'm trying to remember where I was the biggest hurdle. <laughs> so um, I think the biggest hurdle for me to get into the work I'm doing right now is sort of what you, what you picked up from my whole story of how I got into it was just even recognizing that I had that limiting belief. I had no idea. I can think back to high school, <laughs> um, talking to the guidance counselors in like grade 10 or 11. And they were thinking, oh, well, judging on your science marks, maybe you should go more into business. Like, do you like business? And I'm like, I don't know what I like. Like I'm in, <laughs> I didn't even like school until I finished all schooling. And now I love learning. So at then I was just thinking, oh, whatever's kind of easier at, at that point when I'm 16. <laughs> um, and then I just never really pursued it. And then that kind of just reinforced in my head, oh, I didn't take science in high school. Oh, I didn't feel smart enough in high school. So then in university, I didn't take science. I went the business route, which not that that's an easy route, but it was just for some reason, I had this weight on studying science and, and biology. And I just, in my head, made it up to be this kind of mountain, this, um, something that I couldn't accomplish or tackle or understand. So even just recognizing that that was a pattern, which I feel so lucky that it kind of happened within this hour that somehow just intuitively, I just like streamed in this information that you've had this block and now it's removed and there you go. It was the coolest thing. Um, but just kind of recognizing that was probably the biggest hurdle because since then I've been just beeline, check off what do I need to do and then continue learning and I'm still studying kind of every day. I think the other thing was allowing myself that time instead of seeing that huge gap of, okay, now I'm here, I'm starting at square one. And for me to actually be at a place where I'd feel okay with because I'm a bit of a perfectionist, <laughs> it's like how many years down the line especially seeing someone like my dad who's been mastering his craft for almost 40 years 35 years um I kind of was intimidated again by that and think oh my gosh she just knows so much I don't even know you know where to start or maybe I shouldn't see, start seeing clients until like 10 years of studying or something whereas instead of just saying okay let's start now because if I wait six months, then I'll be six months, you know, of, of waiting and then starting at square one again. So just recognizing, just taking that first step, if it's signing up for the course, starting to read the book, just kind of taking that first step. And then time just kind of goes from there and just continuing to master the craft. There's never really that end destination where you're probably, I'll probably never feel fully qualified or fully equipped to help everybody because that's just not possible but I know that I'm fully equipped to do my best and I'm fully equipped to share what I know and stay within my scope of practice. And yeah, I feel like that's sort of a hurdle, but it, it, as long as you keep the ball rolling and recognize that you, 
you just have to keep doing your best, I guess, at the same time, which I feel like, do you feel like that too, being a practitioner? Like it's always kind of, you have to calibrate yourself and say, okay, <laughs> I know I'm doing my best and there's never going to be a time where I know everything. 100%. I relate to that so much. And this was actually why I wanted to do the episode I did last week on kind of those main hurdles that I personally found at the beginning of my business, because I feel like there are just so many elements to it. Like on one hand, when you are a holistic wellness practitioner, you know, you're dealing with a person's well-being and I feel like there's weight to that. You want to feel fully equipped and you want to feel like you understand the science and that you're able to really support them in your best way possible, right? Um, So there's that element, which is very real and very valid. But then there's kind of our social conditioning, which I know where you and I grew up in Waterloo, Ontario, I feel like there is, it's a quite academic city. Um, You know, there's three universities and I know personally, I always felt like we were kind of conditioned to believe that in order to be successful and, and be equipped to do something meaningful in the world, you had to kind of follow the straight and narrow, graduate high school, go to university, then after four years, that's not enough. You have to go get a master's degree and and then you can do something meaningful. And so I feel like that was a really big part of my unlearning process was realizing that, and I talked about this in the episode last week um, for anyone who's interested in kind of hearing more about this, but I really think that there is so much to be said for when you look at things from the perspective of kind of a spiritual lens, I believe that all of us kind of have these purposes and we're given the right opportunities and experiences to support the manifestation of that purpose. And so, yes, sometimes you need to get these qualifications and do this study and and equip yourself in that way. But I also think there's so much to be said for some of our natural gifts that we have and, and our experiences that we've had. And so... I really think it is kind of that constant um, having to check yourself mentally and just kind of remind yourself that done is better than perfect and there's always going to be more to know and really being able to just kind of lean into that humble hunger. So always kind of having that desire to continue learning and continue developing your practice and trying to be the best that you can be while at the same time understanding that there's merit in what you already know and it's okay to have both things happening simultaneously. It's okay to be showing up and serving and providing the knowledge and and resources that you have while still being humble and recognizing that there's always more to know. And yeah, I totally resonate with that and I think probably a lot of other people who are kind of in this industry or or kind of walking the path of entrepreneurship or just providing a resource to other people and serving in that way, I can imagine that they would resonate with it too. And, and that's really why I wanted to have you on and chat about all of this today because I feel like it's just not really talked about and I feel like if you kind of let those limiting beliefs take over, it can be really... Um, debilitating and kind of paralyzing for people sometimes and and I think it's super common at the beginning of a person's career if they are kind of taking this entrepreneurial path to kind of let your 
head noise get in the way of actually taking those steps forward. And I know personally, one of the things that's really helped me to build my self-belief is actually just going out and doing the thing that I think I can't do. And through doing that, I'm able to kind of reinforce that I'm capable of it. Um, So I know personally, that's been a big thing for me. What would you say for you is something that maybe you've learned about yourself that you never would have learned if you didn't take that chance on yourself and believe in yourself? I think I've learned the value of life experience. I mean, I'm only 26, but those years that I took to travel working from my computer and just saying yes to opportunities, I really... I'm so grateful for that time when I didn't have a purpose or I, uh, I didn't have a clear vision for a career purpose, I should say. I definitely had a purpose and I was absorbing so much, but I just, I think I, I learned like the, the amount of times I refer back to those lessons I learned just from meeting people out in the wild and just kind of the teachers along the way that I've had just in the past few years, how much it actually helps me in kind of my specific area of study right now when I thought when I was going through those experiences I was part of me was wondering if I was wasting time because as you said especially in Waterloo it's so academic like the numerous of my friends were doing master's degrees and still in kind of a formal education system and I'm off just at the university of life and (laughs) and I've realized like now that putting that into perspective Um, that's kind of been invaluable with just how even developing myself and realizing what my priorities are and, and kind of knowing who I am as I'm putting myself into this career, because I think it's easy for a lot of people too. And, and sometimes me, I'm really trying to not have my identity be what I do. It's who I am and who I'm becoming, and then allow what I do to kind of be something that that I love to do and gives back and helps kind of send that ripple of of good health and healing around me it's not who I am so just kind of yeah I'm super grateful and I it's putting into perspective all that time that I that I had before this without formal education um, that really taught me kind of who I am and now now I'll continue to do that as well yeah I think there's so much to be said for the university of life so to speak um I definitely I echo that. I feel like it's something that's been really valuable for me as well. And and I think that there's just so much to be said for the idea that we were kind of talking about earlier, which is really being able to embody what it is that you are serving up the rest of the world. And I think there is so much value in formal education, but at the same time, I feel like for people who are kind of in that straight and narrow that we were talking about where it's sort of high school, university, master's, straight into a career, it can be challenging to really have that opportunity to explore yourself and kind of implement some of these things. Um, And I think that can maybe cause a different sense of imposter syndrome where it's like, oh, but to what extent have I really had life experience or to what extent have I really been able to actually stop and check myself because it's just been one thing to the next thing to the next and I have friends who I've had conversations with about this so I think that there's kind of you know pros and cons to every path in life but those are some really beautiful learnings and and I can definitely resonate with them as well and 
Um, yeah, I love that. I love that. So thank you for sharing. So what would you say kind of in hindsight you're able to see now um, kind of ways that life was giving you clues, so to speak, to find your purpose back when you didn't know what it was. So you were kind of touching on like maybe conversations that you had with people or things that happened to you that really were crucial and beneficial in being able to implement your purpose now. And of course, like we talked about you don't want to attach too much of your identity to what you do, but I think that there can be so much fulfillment that comes from that. So can you elaborate a little bit more on some of those experiences that were maybe guiding you towards your path, but at the time you just didn't know it? I can think of maybe five or six years ago. I've always been very passionate about health and fitness since sort of mid-high school, so the past decade or so. And I can remember a few years ago calling my dad and saying, oh, I'd love to put together a fitness series kind of focusing on back health and, and his science could come in and then I'd come in and teach. I've always kind of wanted to be a group fitness instructor. But again, I never had that, that kinesiology background or I didn't have any of that. And I many times considered going through just kind of the, the training through a personal trainer um, organization to become a group fitness instructor or something along those lines but I just never fully dove into that and now I am a personal trainer and I have been teaching some group classes on spine health and it's sort of like I'd wanted to do that in the past but then I never fully went for it but now it's part of what I'm doing now um and in the past too I I can think of times when I would, this sounds silly now that I'm thinking back to it, but I can picture myself as a younger girl back in Waterloo days. And I would pretend that I'm answering interview questions about my life. <laughs> and now I'm sitting here and we're doing an interview. And I, I always thought, cause my mom's a very successful rower. She was on the Olympic team. My dad's a very, um, you know, highly respected in the spine world. My brother at the time, he's a very talented musical theater actor. And then I'm like, oh, then there's me. I, I don't have really have any talent. And I'm like, why would people interview me? <laughs> what am I going to have to say? But I've always had this inkling that I would study something or I would have something to say and share and um, kind of gain wisdom on something. So I feel like maybe that was a bit of an inkling too, because I don't know, I have sort of these, I think that's just part of the intuition. You kind of and for people too that are wondering what the heck, like what's my purpose? Sometimes if we look for it too much, we just have to get back to, okay, what do we love to do? Like, what do we daydream about? Like that's kind of, that's the easy way that the divine is kind of <laughs> luring you into what you could do. Like, what are you good at and what do you enjoy? And then it's just kind of a matter of finding, okay, do I wanna do this as a career? Or is that just a passion? And then kind of pivoting of what you want to offer. But, um. Now I've gone off track and I forget what the, oh, the clues. <laughs> so yeah, it's sort of been a little bit, not clues specifically again with working with the spine, um, but just kind of clues with where I'm at now. I feel like I've had little kind of just daydreams about it too. And I always, I, yeah, I've always wanted to be in the, the kind of fitness realm in some way. And then I've always really admired my dad and what he does. And um, yeah, I'm, I feel quite, honored that he has faith in me too. And I've gone through his trainings and he's, he's so supportive of what I do. So, um, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting how things work out and you never really know, but those daydreams sometimes come true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so much to be said with what you were saying about how sometimes we just need to simplify it and just ask ourselves, like, what do we really enjoy and what are we really good at? And I know personally, I can think of, it's just so interesting, actually. Um, you know, I feel like I'm about to go on a little bit of a tangent, but I just feel like so much of the time people put so much pressure on themselves to kind of figure out what their purpose is or find their career path. And and again, it comes back to that social conditioning that's really going on from pretty much day one. And I think sometimes this internal pressure can kind of get in the way of really checking in and tapping in to your intuition and, and really being able to feel into those things that are sometimes actually really obvious. Like I know personally, I can think back to even being a child and always kind of being that friend that was really kind of emotionally in touch. Like whenever it was a friend's birthday, I would always make an effort to write out these like really beautiful heartfelt cards. And, and anytime I was kind of like around a friend I was able to really quickly tell kind of what their mood was and and maybe what they needed and I feel like I was always kind of that go-to person in my family and and in my friend groups where people knew that they could really easily open up to me and talk to me and kind of um, lean on me for kind of that emotional support and I think sometimes these aspects of ourselves that are maybe clues that the universe is trying to tell us this is part of your purpose and this is part of your path it's almost so ingrained in us that sometimes we don't recognize it as our superpower or we don't recognize it as something that's unique about us um i remember when i was younger i used to go to this this summer camp and eventually i ended up working there for seven years and it was such a crucial part of I think who I became but um, I remember being about 13 and I had this camp counselor and I remember her saying like you need to look at yourself as a garden and this metaphor is something that stuck with me my whole life and she was saying you know you have to look at yourself like a garden and this applies both to your physical element of who you are as well as kind of your emotional qualities and if you were your own garden, you would have this vision for what you want your garden to be like. And you'd have all of these ideas about what needs to improve and what flowers need to be planted and what's not growing well because you're tending to your garden every day and, and it's your garden so you know what you want it to be like. Whereas somebody else might walk past your garden and they might see maybe your rose bush and think, oh my goodness, that is the most vibrant and beautiful and healthy rose bush that I've ever seen. But for you, because you look at it every single day and you're so focused on what still needs maybe more watering or what you would like to plant, you kind of overlook the, the qualities and the things about yourself that are already flourishing and blooming. And so I think that when this relates to purpose, it's so easy to really overlook these aspects of ourselves that are special and unique and our natural gifts and talents. And sometimes when, if I'm working with a client who's struggling to find their purpose or this is something that's kind of weighing them down, one of the questions I like to ask is, what were you naturally really good at as a child? Or what were the things that you were really interested in as a child? 
or what could you talk about all day long and not get bored of it? Or you can ask yourself like, what is something about myself that other people tend to comment on or really appreciate? Like what do my friends and family really appreciate about me? So I think sometimes like our purpose is something that can be so um, obvious and it's almost that obvious that we don't even realize that it's already within us. Totally. I feel like too, um, a lot of times, even I'll ask for external advice and something I've learned is your best advice is don't take other people's advice. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself, experience, like go try something and then there's your advice because you'll know if you like it or not. And yeah, other people have different perspectives of of your garden in that sense too. And um, everyone kind of has their own own agenda or view of their garden when maybe you know kind of the area of the garden that you really want to water more and then other people's opinions and external views can really bring in um and it could be with good intention they could be bringing in their opinions but it really has to feel true and aligned to you otherwise you're going to start living their path instead of yours so that's Mm -hmm. something else i've learned and just visualizing that with the garden analogy too and having their view on your garden when you can say, actually, no, I'm trying to grow some freaking amazing tomatoes here. Like, just wait a second. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I think we always need to be checking in with ourselves and asking like what truly feels aligned to us. And there's kind of like the three brains, right? Like your, your mind, your heart, and your gut. And I think one really easy way to kind of check in with your own sense of internal alignment is to just check in with those three brains and and ask like, what does this feel like in my heart? What does it feel like in my gut? Like, what are my thoughts about it? And we can kind of check in in this holistic way and really make sure that we are living true to our path and not just trying to please other people or kind of get caught up in what other people want for us. So I think, you know, just looking at kind of when we are taking into consideration other people's perspectives of us. It's such an interesting thing because sometimes when we switch our perspective and we get out of our own head and we can kind of view ourselves in the way that maybe others view us, it can be really refreshing and we can start to have more awareness of our strengths that maybe we were overlooking. But on the same token, sometimes if we aren't being mindful about it, it can be really easy to just kind of allow ourselves to internalize other people's ideas of what they want for us. So I think it just requires that discernment and always coming back and checking in with yourself about what really feels aligned to you and and really being able to have that connection to self in that way. So kind of getting back on track with your your path and your purpose do you have any big plans for your practice and um what's kind of like the next step for you or are you really just kind of reveling in what you have going for yourself so far um do you have any big dreams that you would love to bring to life i do i have lots of big dreams desiree (laughs) (laughs) I've had, I've had this vision of a wellness retreat for several years now, and I always thought it would be for just kind of eating well, because I'm also very passionate about cooking and, and eating kind of holistically in a, a whole food diet and everything. Um, but now I've sort of shifted that into a whole spine and spirit retreat. 
so people can come who are experiencing some back pain or just have you know episodes of back pain and they're trying to enhance their athletic performance or something and they really need to kind of up their game so they would come to this huge retreat property um and then we'd have like a holistic chef there the vegetable and herb garden hopefully some chickens for some happy eggs and we'll have holistic practitioners so we'll have breathwork practitioners energy healers and then also our kind of movement coaches our clinicians to diagnose and kind of that whole team to fully support you and then also um kind of guest cabins on that property so that you can bring your family and kind of make a vacation out of it hopefully by a body of water so if you're experiencing back pain and a lot of times i mean we get it's really sad and this is also what kind of brought me wanting to be a practitioner in this line of work just being the kind of admin side for my dad was the number of people we get around the world daily who are depressed and even suicidal and they'll say that upright because they're in so much chronic pain they don't see a light and they've lost their job so they can't provide for their family they're in pain so they're irritable and they can't get along with their partner and it just it spirals sort of out of control from there. So um, kind of providing this retreat center too, where maybe they could bring their family and as they're healing and getting better over that week or whatever, if they wanted to have that quality time with their family so that they don't just have to go off um, by themselves. And then that property would, I mean, I could see it being a beautiful facility to have kind of wedding ceremonies too, if somebody wanted to have access to the, um, I don't know, the different kind of healing rooms and that kind of thing too. I mean, there's so many ways to do weddings, especially now everyone has their own vision. Um, but that's something that, again, would sort of bring in my passion and curiosity about the hospitality industry, because that's what I studied in university. That's what I did my undergrad in. So it's cool how I see what I'm doing now, how I can bring in these elements of um, kind of previous passions too. So I would love to have a retreat property and then people can come in as, as a destination and then kind of kickstart their healing process there and start to gain some hope and momentum of um, knowing what's causing their pain and then having practitioners kind of helping them implement the plan from there. So that's sort of, that's been on my mind for a while and I have numerous pages and notebooks about me sketching this retreat property out. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that so much. And you know, if this comes to life or when it does, we'll have to collaborate because I've had Definitely. dreams of, <laughs> yeah, I've been having dreams of um, retreats as well. And, and yeah, it just blows my mind, like all the synchronicities again, but that sounds so, so beautiful. And I love how you're really in your vision and in your dream, you have all of the different elements of holistic well-being really beautifully intertwined. So um, that sounds so wonderful and so creative as well. So I can't wait to see that come to life. Um, so kind of tying back to some of what you were saying around the depression and kind of that emotional aspect for anyone who's been listening to my podcast a bit um, or who's familiar with my work, you'll know that I really nerd out on the mind-body connection. And I think that there's so much to be said for how our emotions impact our physical well-being and vice versa. Um, so I'm not sure if you, Sarah, if you're familiar with Louise Hay at all. 
I've heard her name so many times, but I haven't read her books yet. I know that she has some really great books, right? Yeah, she's incredible. So I've referenced this um, in some of the previous episodes, but You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay is an incredible book. She's one of the OG thought leaders in the world of the mind-body connection. And her work was really deeply focused around how our emotions can manifest as physical issues if they are not healed and dealt with and kind of moved through the body then that energy can really get stuck and create physical manifestations of those emotions so I was just really curious if you have kind of noticed any trends around um, like emotional trends around the people that you see who experience a lot of low back pain and of course as you mentioned you know the depression kind of goes hand in hand with it a lot of the time as a result of that chronic pain but kind of on the other end of the spectrum have you been able to kind of identify any trends around um, underlying emotions that may be correlated with the physical manifestation if that makes sense so Absolutely, there's an emotional element to the holistic kind of pain experience based on what's causing someone's pain. So so through the assessment that we go through, we're really looking at certain movements, postures, or loads that triggers that person's pain. And almost every time we can find sort of a pattern of a mechanical cause of the pain. So whether that started from Um, a certain repeated movement kind of with a stress concentration or a traumatic accident. I haven't seen where it's solely caused by emotion. Normally it would be from a mechanical cause, but then emotion is sort of what enhances the pain experience, for example. So if somebody is feeling depressed, that would change the posture. So if the pain is posture driven, then their emotions, when they're more depressed and want to contract, or if you're trying to make your body smaller, then you're taking your spine into a flexed position. So if you have a posterior disc bulge, that's going to flare it up and it's going to be directly related with when you're feeling more depressed because you're in more prolonged flexion. So then kind of the strategy to help um, relieve that is not only the mechanical kind of corrective posture and building up more stability, but also you want to be kind of empowering that person to feel more confident and maybe encourage them to see a therapist too, if that's part of what they may need, but kind of give them strategies to feel more in control too. So there's, there's not, there's the mechanical side of kind of what's going on in terms of the actual mechanism in the spine. I have my spine models here that (laughs) for demonstrations and stuff, but um, definitely the emotional side can add in and kind of exacerbate the mechanism when it's added to that underlying issue. Another example I can think of is some people are naturally um, over grippers. So they'll be constantly um, activating their muscles or they're constantly be gripping through their muscles, either because they're trying to like stiffen out. They had a pain and they're worried that they're going to have that stab of pain again. So they're contracting through the muscles which is adding compressive load to the spine and if that somehow triggers that that there's a mechanism or an injury or something in the spine there that compressive load aggravates it then that emotional response of feeling stressed and added tension in the body that would 
bring to light those that pain mechanisms because they're added so much tension that physical um kind of tension <laughs> um so with them that's the exact type of client that i would really encourage to be open to some breath work and we'll go through relaxation practices and encourage them to um kind of unclench that gripping through their body and we'll start to work on mentally and emotionally kind of releasing and going through those relaxation practices that switches their body signals their body into that parasympathetic nervous system and holding that tension can inhibit the body from recovering and repairing itself too because in the movement sessions and when we're stimulating those adaptations to build robustness and resilience against injury that's stimulating what we want to occur in the body, but that's not going to actually happen and settle in unless the body can relax. If they're tense and holding that stress and tension in their body, then their body's not given the chance to fully allow, um, allow that healing to happen because our body, as you know, when you scratch your finger, it knows how to heal itself too. So, um, I mean, of, of course, with more major injuries than that, there's so many different factors to, to take into consideration, but kind of getting to know the person if they're over gripping or maybe they're too loose and they're they've just kind of given up you know and they they've just kind of slumped down in the chair and you have to teach them to have a little bit more tone and maybe um their pain is reduced by adding more of that bracing so then with them you want to be pulling out more activation and athleticism in their body so it's kind of getting to know their personality the way they organize their muscles and how they carry stress through their body. Um, some people, you know, the stress, then they're sitting upright too much. It's not always, but depression normally is kind of flexed over. So it definitely has a, a huge part to play um, in, in some people more than the other. But through the assessment, we normally find that sort of initial cause of the pain. And then the factors kind of, there's so many layers to that pain experience that I call instead of just, um, yeah, kind of one manifestation. We, we try to uncover the layers because that gives us the most effective approach to help remove the cause of it. Mm, thank you so much for sharing that. That's so interesting to me. I seriously nerd out so much on the mind-body connection and I just think that it's so, so intriguing how our body language is that powerful. You know, our body language really speaks in so many ways and and it's interesting when we look at how, you know, the mind and the body are constantly communicating to each other and so naturally without even realizing it, it, it is so subconscious that depending on how we're feeling emotionally, this can influence our posture and our body language and then as a result, you know, that can influence these different various ailments or kind of physical manifestations and Certainly, there's obviously way more to assessing a person's kind of needs with their spine and spirit restoration, and you are obviously the expert on that, so I really appreciate you sharing kind of these insights, and and yeah, it's so interesting learning about more about your craft and just having this conversation has been so wonderful, so thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us today, and if you can just share with the listeners as well, if anyone is interested in learning more about your work or connecting with you, where can they find you and how can they connect with you? 
Great. Well, thanks so much for this conversation today, Desiree. It's been so nice. I know that the viewers can't see our faces, but it's been so nice to see your face because we I'm pretty sure it's been over a decade since we probably saw each other in the high school hallways. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so probably the best way to contact me would be via email. Um, my email is Sarah with an H on the end dot McGill, M-C-G-I-L-L at backfitpro.com, which maybe you can write out in the <laughs> down below so that that's in a written form. Um, I do have a, an Instagram page for my business for spine and spirit restoration. I'm not as active on that. So if you're looking for kind of continual postings, it's not going to be there, but I do answer... <laughs> I do answer messages on there if you wanted to contact me. So my Instagram is sarahmcgill.backfitpro. I had to even think about that one. Okay. Um, and then my website is www.sarah, with an H on the end, backfit. So sarahbackfit.com. So those are the three ways to kind of check out what I'm doing. <laughs> awesome. I will definitely link all of that in the show notes as well as that beautiful blog post that you wrote up, which is going to be available in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for that. And definitely agree. It was so lovely seeing your face and just connecting. And I really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you so much for hopping on today. And one last question that I love to ask all of my guests is what is something that you're doing right now that is lighting up your soul? I am surrounding myself with beautiful life and colors. I'm really enjoying um, kind of decorating my patio and my place with more plants and colors and creating that space around me to feel kind of more, more lit up and more me, especially right now with lockdown and everything that we're going through, like anything to kind of enhance the environment around me. I'm really enjoying that. So kind of bringing life, more life, and colors around me visually is really lighting me up. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. And that's so aligned with, you know, some of your work with even Reiki and the chakras and kind of the power of color, right? So that's amazing. And and just a quick little mental health tip for anyone who is listening, you know, adding in nature into your environment if you don't have the luxury of having a view of nature out one of your windows adding in plants into your home is so beneficial for your mental well-being and just being able to have that connection to nature has been shown to be highly beneficial for increasing serotonin and just also purifying the oxygen in the air so that is such a beautiful way to kind of add in more soulful living and and I know I definitely love having my plants in my home too. So that's amazing. So thank you again so much for hopping on today, Sarah. And for anyone who would like to connect with you, again, they can find your info in the show notes. My pleasure. Thanks so much. And thanks everyone for listening. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today and tuning into this podcast. It truly means the world to have individuals that are interested in all of these topics and willing to support small businesses like mine. This is an independently run podcast, so the more people that are spreading the word, the better. 
If you can take some time to give this a five-star review, share it on social media, or send it to a friend that you think would love this podcast, it would mean the absolute world. And if you're interested in connecting with more like-hearted individuals, please feel free to head over to the Facebook group called the Soulful Sessions Podcast Community. You can simply type in in the search bar on Facebook and join the group. Here we will be continuing to add value to your life and connection. Until next time.